DJ, PK, and Mark Eaton joining us now. Jerry Sloan passing away at the age of 78, and Mark played for him for a long time and has a lot of great memories. Mark, thanks for checking in with us this morning. We appreciate it. Not the best time or the best circumstances, but we certainly appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. No, it's not, but... um... You know, he was battling with his body for a long time, and so as sad as I am to see him go, I'm, I'm also happy that he's, that he's free and back to who he was. Where do you start, Mark? I don't know where you start, but try it. Um, you know, I, I think that um, the, the, what I loved about Coach was uh, just his consistency, his commitment to doing it the right way, his integrity in the locker room and on the court, and um, and and I think that he made a lot of players better. I think he helped a lot of guys along the way with his uh, toughness. And um, and what I always appreciated about him was that you every day you came to work, it was exactly the same thing. As you guys well know, his his post game press conferences sounded like reruns each day. Um, but um, but great coaches have simple executable philosophies and and that's how jerry was and um you were either with the program or you weren't but he wasn't changing and i think that's what endeared him to other coaches and to the end of the you know the league and the industry as in general was a fact that he he stuck to his principles um the management and the ownership got behind him uh and together created some amazing results and um and at the same time, you know, when you got done with the game and you went out and had a beer afterwards to sit and chat with him and really be friends with him, um, is a pretty rare thing in a leader. And uh, and so I think that's what I really appreciated about him the, the most. Uh, and he was a, a real guy. Um, you know, he's the kind of guy I could say, Coach, I'm building a fence today. Can you come help me dig some post holes? Oh, yeah, sure, I'll be there. Uh, I mean, that's just, um, you know, that... Uh, that down home philosophy, and if you want to really look at his his background, go back and look at his the the Hall of Fame acceptance speech he did at, at Naismith a few years ago, and um, I think that really hits home to how he grew up and the in the difficulties he had, you know, and in, in being a you know from a kind of a dirt poor farming community, and and um, he just he never changed, he never wavered, and I think that's what I, I remember most. Being there for that speech, I remember how much uh, how much the room just settled down and quieted down and locked in on him trying to figure out who this guy was and his backstory. It was one thing to hear it. I've never been to McLeansboro. Did you ever have a reason to go there and then go outside of town where the farm actually was, where he grew up? Yeah, I've been there. Um, it's a small little farming community, community a couple hours from St. Louis and southern Illinois, and um, you know, you could just see where I grew up. I mean, it's soybean farmers and, and bean farmers, and and it's the kind of place where you you, know, you get up in the morning and go down to the diner, and there's just the farmers are hanging out there and, and talking about their crops and the weather and everything else. It's just, uh, it was a real, uh, you know, I mean, eye-opening experience for me to see really what it was like back there, and, and uh, but also really helped to understand the fabric of, of who he was, even if you here in Salt Lake City or elsewhere didn't really understand it or kind of wondered, like, what's this guy talking about? When you go back there and see where he's from and meet the people that, you know, the friends he had for 50, 60 years, 
um, <clears throat> it's just a, it's you know, it's the, it's the you know, the heartland of America. You talk about together with management created some incredible results, and obviously that management starts uh, with Larry Miller. And mm-hmm. can you describe how those two were so alike in many ways? Yeah, both incredibly driven, um, and and both you know could get get excited about stuff and and upset about stuff, and um, you know we were were they never held back. They always told you how it was and how they saw it, and you could like it or not, but that's how it was going to be. And I think that's why they got along well together. I, I think they butted heads from time to time, but I think Larry really appreciated the intensity and that. And, and again, that integrity on the court that that Jerry brought to the game every day. He was so intense. He worked so hard, uh, and drove his team to get everything he could out of them. And I think that's what that's why I think Larry stuck with him because um, you know, as you know, in pro sports, it's the easiest guy to replace is the coach, right? And yeah. um, so, uh, and and Jerry was always cognizant of that. Uh, and and Larry, I think, went the extra mile to say. We're here with you, Jerry. We got you. He knew he wasn't going to find a better coach, um, and that Jerry was the man for the job, and that's why he stuck with him so many years, and, and really in an unprecedented fashion in all of pro sports. I, if I recall, when he retired, he was the longest-tenured coach in professional sports, um, and, and it was largely due in part, which Jerry always gave a lot of credit to, to the ownership of the team. So Jerry clearly wore well on a lot of people because of the long association, obviously, with uh, Larry Miller and then the long association with John and Carl. And he, people saw the combative, competitive side during games when he'd be hollering about whatever at a player or a ref. But can you share some more stories about how low-key and genuine he was away and what a nice guy he could be away from all of that because you can't have these long relationships if you're you know just banging your head against the wall all the time and hollering at everybody yeah i i think that that's that again was one of his his great traits was that ability to just keep it real and he demanded a lot he expected a lot but when the game was over um he was happy to go, you know, fishing or go have a beer or go to dinner or uh, whatever it was and, and just be your best friend. And I know he went on, you know, hunting trips with Carl and he'd go up and see John and uh, and vice versa. And, you know, I've been on a few trips with him here or there. And um, it's just, um, he's he just that kind of down-home guy. And he talked to anybody. And, uh, you know, I remember the old stories in the, from the when he first came to town. He, he had this uh, white van and he'd, He'd, on days off, he would just drive around the countryside looking for old cars or old tractors or things like that. I mean, that's just who he was. And he had no problem pulling over to a guy's house and saying, hey, you know, can I talk to you about that tractor there? You know, that's an international whatever, 1958, blah, 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 blah. And um, striking up a conversation and, and um, you know, with his John Deere hat on. And, and that's, just, that's just who he was. And uh, that's, that's, what, that's what we all loved about him. Yeah, how crazy is that, Mark? Here was a big-time celebrity who obviously didn't view himself as anything but, or anything such, I should say. No, he didn't. He never, he never, uh, you know, forgot his roots or who he was, and um, and I think that's what endeared him to everybody because with all the other 
stuff that goes on in pro sports and media and everything else and all the crazy stories that are out there, here, here was one guy that was like terra firma, right? One guy you could count on. You knew what he was going to say. You knew what he was about. And you could get behind that. And I think that's what endeared him to, uh, to the fans and to the guys that played for him. He didn't like to complain a lot. What was the stuff that really wore him out, though? What wore him out is people doing their own things or thinking that they knew something smarter than or better than he did out on the court and, uh, you know, breaking off plays and taking, taking shots that he didn't like and, and, you know, or getting lazy on defense. I used to drive him crazy. I used to remember once I watched him sitting in the, in the, um, in the film room and they would, uh, and when, when a play broke down and the team took off the other end, they wanted to at least see that effort. I can always remember him saying, like, get in the frame, get in the frame, get in the frame. He wanted to see guys running back and at least making an attempt to stop the ball uh, because that, to him, showed effort. And so, that, you know, if you played defense and you, could, and you were willing to go in there and fight and battle for a rebound and, and, and get a little dirty out on the court, he loved that. If you tried to, you know, play basketball, as it said, in a tuxedo, he had no, you know, he had no, no time for you. And... Um, uh, and so if you understood that and were willing to take that on, great. And you got along famously. Um, but he was looking for guys who were willing to work. Okay, Mark. When you say playing in tuxedo, you just took me back 25, 30 years. Because that, that's right out of his mouth, isn't it? <laughs> well, I, it's, I've heard it from a variety of coaches over time. But, yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it's right out of his philosophy of, like, you know, there's some guys out there that want to play and just shoot the ball and never get touched. And um, as we've seen most recently from the last dance, that's not how 80s basketball was played. Um, you know, you had to be willing to grovel and go after guys and, and uh, adhere to the philosophy of no layups and um, Jordan rules and all those kinds of things. And, uh, and so, uh, you, you know, if you, if you thought you were the pretty guy out there and not gonna, no one was going to mess with you and no one was going to touch you, you know, it wasn't going to work. Um, that your your place would probably be better on another team where guys just shoot and run up and down the court and play summer league basketball. <laughs> okay, tuxedo's a good line. Get sideways. How many times did you hear him say that one? Get sideways? Get sideways. Yeah. That was a classic. Well, yeah, well, you know, there were certain positions um, where you were just, you know, he, he was just adamant that you stayed and focused on your own man when – when Phil Johnson was the assistant coach before uh, Jerry's arrival, uh, and even and even while before Jerry became the head coach, uh, you know, we we played more of a switching style defense and a rotational style defense. And when Jerry became the coach, he said, "Nope, we're playing one-on-one defense. You are responsible for your man." And um, I was actually talking to Bobby Hansen yesterday about this um, that that it was so tough on him being a two guard because that was Jerry's position. And when he's guarding Clyde Drexler or something and, and they're, we're practicing and he's showing Bobby how to get over the top of the pick, you know, to, to put your hand through and get sideways and, and get through that pick, um, you know, they would come to blows, you know, frequently or almost to blows frequently because, uh, because Jerry had a certain way to do it. And he was so intense about it. And if you didn't do it that way, man, you're going to have a problem. How was he able to get so much out of everybody? Didn't matter if you were an end of the bench guy to two Hall of Famers. Because he took the time to get to know the players. He wasn't a coach that just showed up and said, "Okay, practice starts now. Okay, practice is over. See you guys tomorrow." 
uh, he cared about guys. And the, the fact that he was willing to, you know, go to dinner after a game or have a beer after the game and sit and chat with guys, and he had that open-door policy, I think that was, uh, you know, that was what uh, guys respected because he knew, players knew that he cared about them and cared about them as people. And, you know, he'd say hi to your family when they came in from out of town or whatever it might be, and he cared about your kids and everything else. And I think that's, I think that's what really uh, set, him, uh, set him apart because there's a lot of coaches. You're talking to other players that played for other NBA coaches, and they're like, hey, it was just business, you know, like, uh, okay, the bus is at three, da 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 you know, show up and play, and then at the end of the year we'll evaluate and see how you did. He was actively involved in the lives of guys that, that, uh, that played for him, and, and I think players respected that because it was having a mentor and having a coach that, that, that really cared. He demanded a lot, yeah, but he still cared about you. And that's a, a fine balance, and very few leaders can do it. Um, but he, he navigated that very successfully. You know, he took the job at Evansville, and then after five days, he quit and walked away from it at his alma mater. And a few weeks later, the plane crash kills the entire team and coaching staff. And he'd talk about it occasionally, but not a lot. It seemed like it left a huge mark on him and you kind of how he spent the time and, you know, how he worked on relationships. Did he ever talk to you about that a lot, or was that something that was off limits? No, I, I, I know that, that it did affect him deeply, and just like you guys, he would say something occasionally about it, but I never, I never went there with him. Uh, I know it was a traumatic thing, and, and, uh, uh, and I think it maybe reset his purpose or reset his outlook of how he, um, how he felt fortunate and, um, and also, I think, doubled down on his humility of who he was uh, and, and maybe gave him a, a different appreciation as an event like that would for life. Um, but um, I, n- I never really uh, got into that with him. What I found amazing, as the years have gone by, players who have maybe had some well, tough times, I don't want to say altercations, but you know maybe didn't get along, and the Darren Williams one is obvious, it seems like all these guys have come out and to, to an extent, uh, basically apologized and said, you know, almost like a parent. Okay, when I became a parent, then I learned what my parents were trying to do as they taught me. And I've seen that from players as they've gone on and grown up and, and left the game and all that. And, and to me, and I want to get your thought on it, it says a lot about what they think of Jerry Sloan that years later they were able to reflect on it and do it positively. Yeah, I think that's that's very true, and um, you know, you have a tendency when you're an athlete, uh, I mean, sometimes life in general, too, your ego gets the best of you, right? And you think you yeah. are the hot stuff when you show up here and ready to play, and no coach is going to tell me something, and maybe that's the result of other coaches or other teams you played on uh, that you think it's just going to be, uh, you know, the same here, and and jury challenges you, and you don't like it. And then you end up parting ways. Then years later, yeah, you do. You you have a recognition, like you say, you get in some other situation or being a parent, whatever it is, and you say, "Wow, you know, Jerry had some some pretty good philosophies about life, and probably something I should pay attention to." And wow, I really appreciate it much more now than I did when I was actually a player. And I and I think we we definitely saw that in the in the case of D. Will, uh, you know, his willingness to come back and try and make amends with coach and. Um, uh, so you know, again, it's just a, it's just that endearing quality about him that, uh, as tough as he was, you know, you if you followed what he did, the results would be positive. 
You know, a lot of fans love to hear from, uh, you know, John and Carl because they're so, you know, they're so linked. But uh, I know those guys the last couple of days have stayed away from requests on any reflections or thoughts or anything. Um, can you talk a little bit about how hard it is on those guys? Because they're, they're staying quiet for a reason. Well, I mean, a good portion of their adult life is spent with Jerry. And, and um, you know, obviously, I mean, you know, Carl played oh, 18 years for the Jazz, and I think John probably the same, or seven, I can't remember exactly how many years it is. It was forever. Um, I played with those guys for like nine years, and they still played another 10 years after that. Uh, so they spent a good portion of their life with that with that man and, and its family. I mean, you're together seven days a week for seven months, uh, a year, and uh, or longer, depending on the playoffs, and... Uh, you get to know each other, uh, and uh, so I know it's been very difficult on them. And I know they they both had the opportunity to to, to see him in the last few weeks, um, but uh, you know I can't I can't imagine what it's like for those guys because they you know they had a whole even deeper relationship than I did with Coach just just from the sheer fact that they spent ten more years together on a daily basis. He really set the foundation for this Jazz franchise. If the Jazz franchise is around for 100 more years, whatever it might be, don't you think that we can trace stuff back to Larry Miller and Jerry Sloan and, and really you and, and, and Stockton Malone basically forever? Yeah, I think the, the culture of the team and what the team is known for has always, is, is based in that. It's, it's, that's the foundation of who the Utah Jazz are. It's those early years when... You know, Frank convinced us that, that defense was more important than offense and trying to change the culture of the team to play aggressively and run on opportunity. And then, and then Jerry, and that sets the foundation. We start winning and, be, you know, go from a, a doormat of the NBA to a, a team of respectability. And then Jerry coming in and saying, okay, now we're going to turn up the heat. Now we're going to take it to the next level. And I'm going to demand more from you guys every day. And, um, and then all those great years of, of playoff runs and going to the finals and everything else, yeah, it just kind of cemented that in. Is that that's who the Jazz is? And I think all the, you know, the the, the teams that came after that, uh, I think uh, have to live up to that standard. And I think that's what the fans are looking for. And and you see it. I watch it in the stands, even you know, with the team today. Uh, when great defensive plays happen, when guys grovel on the floor for the ball, when somebody makes a steal or a block shot, I means fans stand up. They give them a standing ovation. Like that's the effort they want to see, and all that is steeped back in the philosophy that was started back in the '80s. Mark, hard time to come on the air, but uh, you shared a lot of uh, good stories, and we really appreciate your time. And uh, I know you were close with Jerry, so sorry for the loss here. Condolences, obviously. Well, well, thank you very much, guys. He was a great man, and sorely missed and at the same time again I'm, I'm happy he's in a better place thanks mark okay guys mark eaton longtime jazz center his his name and number hanging up in the rafters right next to the uh, banner for jerry and uh we appreciate him coming on this morning uh coming up we got uh some of your reaction and i also want to thank someone who didn't come on this morning and uh that's a good story in its own right and we will get to that next dj and pk it's 97.5 and 1280 the zone DJ and PK, it is time for your feedback. All the stuff you think about the stuff we have been talking about. It is brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. And PK, one of the things that speaks the loudest 
you know, it's economic tough times and uh, businesses are struggling to make money and all that. And we're doing these partner profiles and Kelly Schaefer, uh, marketing director, it's for a group that owns several restaurants, uh, the, the Porcupine, the Bohemian Brewery, the Dodo and all that. And the marketing director, Kelly Schaefer, was going to come on. And he was going to come on about 10 or 15 minutes after the news broke. And, and uh, Jake Yacht called him. And like the first thing he said was, are you sure you want me to come on right now at a time like this? I mean, that speaks for, you know, the respect people have for Jerry. No matter what line of work you're in, you know, there's jazz fans everywhere in Utah, right? And uh, yep. he uh, and Kelly suggested we put it off till next week, and we will. We'll talk about his restaurants and all that next week. But we appreciate uh, Kelly kind of having a sense of the moment and saying, you know, this isn't the best thing right now. Why don't we just uh, – let me fade into the background and talk more about Jerry Sloan. And, uh, you know, I think well, that speaks to Kelly, and it also speaks to Jerry. Let me, let me say, DJ, I, I agree 100% with what you said. I think that is just a classic example of the respect that everyone in our state has for Jerry Sloan. This is his op- it's an opportunity now to celebrate his life. And for the rest of the day on The Zone, Obviously, we're going to do that with Scotty and Hands and then with Jake and Gordon later on today. And I know Gordon will have some personal stories. He's going to share a quote. I promise you, Gordon will share a quote that he got from Frank Layden on a Jerry Sloan because Gordon quote and it really and I'll let Gordon say it later on today and I'm sure we'll have a ton of interviews. So make sure you listen because this truly is Jerry Sloan's day. Absolutely. We are getting a lot of feedback. We're seeing a lot of stuff, actually, from uh, former jazz players are hopping on Twitter. I've seen uh, comments from Raja Bell, and they sound like words that came right out of your mouth. You and Raja and and a lot of other people, including me, all agree with this. But uh, Raja was just talking about, you know, the impact on the franchise. He set a tone. It's a way you play. It's what it's expected. You hard nose, you battle, and Raja certainly embraced that, and it made Raja a lot of money in the NBA and helped him get the broadcasting job he's got now with uh, the CBS Sports Network. And uh, you know, it, Jerry's not coaching, but it lingers on. And now Jerry's passed away, but that work ethic is still what the franchise is known for. So it was good stuff from Raja. I saw C.J. Miles with stuff out there. Marky and yep. Phil Johnson came on with us. Darren Williams has been on social media and acknowledged he didn't end great between us. Fortunately, I had a chance to talk with him after the career was over, and he said in his post that it would have been a huge regret in his life if he hadn't had that meeting and, and talked with Jerry and you know talked about some of the stuff that went wrong and the stuff he'd do different. It's, it's clear Darren's in a different place mentally than he was you know, back then. Everybody grows up and hard to believe that was a decade ago now, PK. <laughs> Time know, flies. Crazy. Yeah, right? I agree. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and now we're seeing uh, Kyle Goon and Bill Oram, uh, who both uh, wrote in this market. Ross Seiler, uh, all these former jazz beat writers are out on social media, uh, you know, with their takes and their memories. Yeah, for, for uh, context, I'm, I'm going to send a piece over to Yach and he's going to post it on uh, 1280thezone.com and on Twitter and Facebook here in a few minutes to actually try to try to inadequately express my thoughts. Well, uh, the Jazzy Ute, who is, uh, if you follow him on Twitter, he is uh, sometimes over the top, but always passionate about Utah, uh, University of Utah sports and about the Jazz. And he just tweeted out after getting the news, this NBA season has sucked. <laughs> so... Yeah, for sure. Not not eloquent, but I think it feels how, uh, you know, with the game stopping and uh, all the health concerns and now with Jerry passing away, you know, this one sucked. 
Jazzy Ute, you're, you're on to something there. Uh, we got uh, <laughs> Jim. Uh, th- this is pretty good. Uh, uh, he found an old poll about a Jazz Rockets game and uh, how it might go. And he said, uh, you know, for predictions, all he says, how will it go? It depends. Are they going to show up and play in tuxedos? Are they going to bring their lunch pail and hard hat? Hashtag <laughs> Sloanisms. Yeah, I know. Totally. Totally. Absolutely. We got a hundred of them. Yeah. Uh, we've got a lot of people uh, posting their memories here. Uh, Joe wants to know, how quickly can we build the statue? It does seem like the third one would fit nicely with the first two. I've never been completely clear on why that is, that it hasn't happened. I've been saying it for years, yeah. Yep. I'm, I'm right there with you. Had a chance to meet Jerry many times, Doug tweets in, RIP to one of the great ones. And that was a cool thing was that uh, he was in town and around, and you could see him on a walk, or you could see him when you uh, went to lunch, left the office with your friends and went to lunch. You might bump into him. Oh, yeah, yeah. I tell a quick story. I was at uh, Roadhouse down there, uh, Southtown, by where Jerry lived, and I saw these people. They were uh, huddling, and they were pointing, and I thought they were pointing at me because I thought that I was all that. And I look over my shoulder, and there's Jerry and Tammy eating. (laughs) (laughs) And it's because Jerry's in the house. And, yeah, of course they'd be pointing because Jerry was in the house. And I I know Jerry loved going to that place because I talked to him about it. And this guy was a big-time celebrity, but at the same time, he was a common man. You know what's ironic? He's, uh, he's known as the original bull. And here's a guy who took no bull, but yet he was the original bull. Perfect. Uh, Tyler tweets in, I knew Jerry passing away would be tough, but it's harder than I thought. He was one of my heroes. was the toughest guy to everyone that saw him from afar. Seemed like the sweetest guy to everyone who was close to him. I agree 100%. Well said. That, yeah. Uh, Gage says it's sad with the COVID restrictions. Coach Sloan won't get the send-off he deserves. Prayers for the family. Rest in peace, Coach. Yeah. Roll away, Jim. I played church league ball when I was a kid growing up in Chicago when he played for the Bulls. He was my guy. Then I moved to Salt Lake in 96, and I grew even more mad respect for him. Hashtag RIP Coach Sloan. Oh, I think that that, is, uh, that describes me very well. Yeah, I got to know him a little bit. So fortunate to get to know him after he was done, considering I really consider it one of the great privileges of my life of going on those trips and getting to know him and Phil Johnson a little bit better. It wasn't like we were best buds, but, you know, I knew his wife a little bit, and she had a great quality. Second, well, we knew his first wife, too, for that matter. Bobby. Yeah. Uh, Bobby, yeah, absolutely. We had her on. The, we had her on way back when. I remember yeah. having her on. yeah. And then, and then Tammy too, and yeah, and they they both were so bubbly. It was it's kind of offset in the way Jerry was, but it was such an honor to be in his presence in those trips. Well, you know, you said earlier that uh, you went on that trip with Jerry and Tammy, and he told you when he went for walks, he listened to the show, and uh, Bobby told me once that she listened to the show, <laughs> and that Jerry would walk in the room. Now, this is when he's still coaching, so it's a different deal, right? When you're coaching, you really don't need to listen to people like us. <laughs> you, no, no. You I, get I, the I word from us. To. Right, exactly. And he would walk in the room and turn the show off, and she would wait until he left, and then she'd turn it back on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, classic stories. 
All right, we got uh, we got more tweets coming in. You can hit us up at uh, David DJ James on Facebook, DJ and PK. A lot of memories here as uh, people remember Jerry Sloan who passed away earlier this morning at the age of uh, 78. We had Mark Eaton on. We had uh, we had Phil Johnson on, and uh, you know they echoed some of the th- same things. And uh, it's interesting. I never uh, I have never been back to McLeansboro. Um, and the people who have all just tell the stories about just it, it helped them understand Jerry, that that was really Jerry's roots, you know, small town and knew the people well and the hard work. And it's, it's no wonder he coached the way he did coming from where he did, you know, the place, the place makes the person and all that start, all that stuff. Yes. Well, we appreciate them coming on. We know it's a hard time for them. Uh, Hans and Scotty are coming on next. They will have more on all the memories around Jerry Sloan and the Jazz as the coach passes away at the age of 78. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you Sunday night on Talking Sports. We'll be on a little late, late movie, but we'll be on. And we'll see you Sunday night and back here Monday morning from 6 to 10 on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.